Welcome to The Recap, part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. Recap, or realizing exceptional consideration amidst preaching. (laughs) We're going to take consideration for Bruce Powers preaching through Genesis 48. Bruce, thanks for preaching. Thank you. It's a joy. Um, Your sermon title was Faith Inherits the Promises of God. And you went to Hebrews 11, like Nick did and like I did. We just keep referring to Hebrews 11 in the last several sermons. And perhaps whoever's preaching this upcoming week was supposed to be me, but won't be me now. Looks like it'll be Rick Shank. We'll also reference Hebrews 11. I'm sure. What do you mean when you say faith inherits the promises of God? What, what is that about? Like just, you know, very baseline. What'd you say in the sermon? We become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So he, that's, that's uh, the means by which we're saved. And so once we are children of God, we have the right to the inheritance that God offers us in the new covenant, yeah. just like the old covenant. So we, the old covenant saints inherited the promises about a promised land um, and a people based on their ethnic heritage, and we inherit those promises by faith. So we are children of God by faith, children of Abraham by faith, as Paul says in Romans. Right. And then what were the three uh, kind of points that you labored on in your outline? Yeah, just kind of recap it for us. Yeah, I, I summed up the message in three words, adoption, blessing, and faith. And I really kind of made faith the practical application side and tried to talk about um, aspects of our faith that we live out day to day. Um, Adoption being the means by which we come into the family of God. So I related Jacob's adoption of Ephraim and Manasseh to our adoption by God as we read about in Romans 8, 14. Um, We're now, we have received a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. So just kind of taking Jacob's adoption of those, of Joseph's two sons as an echo of a foretaste of our adoption by God. And then the blessing by becoming Jacob's sons now Ephraim and Manasseh have the same right to inheritance as any of his other sons. In fact, Ephraim is given the place of the firstborn. And we, by our union with Christ, receive all that Christ has as the firstborn son of God. And then faith being how we receive that or how we inherit that. And I did have a background point that I wanted to bring out, and that was that through all of this, as we've seen so many times in Genesis and see throughout the Bible, God chooses the least likely people. So how often does he choose the second born? Or (laughs) that I I didn't talk about this in the sermon, but it came to my mind, David, the seventh born son of Jesse, (laughs) the very last one that you would expect. Um, how often does God do that? He, he tends to choose the last to be first, yep. the least to be greatest. 
Well, it seems that in the scriptures that that plot line kind of continues. So I was thinking of a text while you were preaching. Psalm 78, 67. He rejected the tents of Ephraim. He did not choose the offspring of Joseph, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Sion, as his heritage. So even with the static snapshot of Genesis 48 and then what he's going to go on and say in Genesis 49, the Old Testament continues to like wrestle with this birthright and like what happens with it. Like, cause it seems like Joseph inherits what everybody else has gotten like up till now, like some kind of intense birthright, you know, Ephraim is the kind of the shorthand for the Northern 10 tribes right. later on. And yet there is something about Judah. I mean, what you just alluded to with David that there's some kind of birthright, something that's passed on to him in a way that fourth born of second favorite wife kind of eclipses first born of first favorite wife. God keeps choosing and going under and flipping what we'd, what we'd expect. Yeah. And I, you know, first Chronicles five, which I quoted in the sermon mentions that, that Judah was chosen for a ruler to come from him. Yeah. But the right of the firstborn was given to Ephraim. So it's kind of an interesting, or the sons of Joseph, it says. Um, So it's kind of interesting. And I think what you're kind of alluding to there, maybe it just really points out that uh, all through the Old Testament, we get the continuing refrain that this is not the real fulfillment of these promises. Right. This is imperfect. This is a picture. This is a a foretaste or a type of what's to come, but it isn't the substance. It isn't the reality. Right. right. And so that's where we bring in Hebrews 11. Right. Because Hebrews 11 is saying all these great saints of the Old Testament died without receiving these promises. We get the promises yeah. by faith. Right. Romans, <laughs> is that Romans four twenty four? Abraham, the promised Abraham and his offspring that they would inherit the world. And then Paul right. goes on and says, is that only, you know, for the, um, the offspring of Abraham according to the flesh? Is it not also for us who have the same faith right. as Abraham? Uh, which I would take to be like, um, whether you're premillennialist or amillennialist and you, you know, say that there's a future for you know, the something like the nation of Israel or ethnic Jews in the them receiving the land promise you know, directly from the Old Testament uh, or not, certainly the final like instance of this promise is wrapped up in you inherit the new earth, you inherit these new heavens, which you, exactly. you alluded to yeah. or even directly said yeah. in your yeah. in your sermon. Our promise, the promises we have are so much greater than the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and on to Jacob's sons. Right. Um, we're, we're promised so much more than a piece of land in the Middle East itself divided into 12 right, little right. pieces. We're promised the entire universe, yep, yep. <laughs> the entire new universe that God is going to make. It's just phenomenal. Amazing. Your third point about the sovereignty of God behind all of this, um, you know, in, in his sovereign choosing, you know, Isaac, Ishmael, Jacob, Esau, now, you know, Joseph, um, you know, and not just Joseph, but, you know, Ephraim, Manasseh, right? So God is the only free being in the world, you know, in the universe, as you right. mentioned. Do you just want to tease that out a little bit more, talk a little bit more what you mean by 
God is the only free being. Well, we, well, now, now you're going to get into a lot of no, no. I just I want you to go here. And theology. We're only like eight minutes in. We get some time, but just like unpack a little bit what you mean by that. Well, we tend like, to somebody might hear that and be like, "Oh, I'm free. I have free will. Yeah, like I've, I've yeah. got the ability to freely choose things that I want. Like, go ahead. Yeah, and, and we think spot. we do, and and we don't. <laughs> um, I would argue that we don't. Our wills are constrained by so many things over which we have no real control. Um, that although we perceive as we're choosing what we want, uh, we, we're constrained by things that, by the sovereignty of God and the time and place of our birth, the, the culture we're living in, how much wealth we have. You know, we, there are choices I can't make because I don't live in that part of the world. I don't right. live in, I don't understand that culture. I'm not part of that. I don't have enough money. I don't, whatever, you know. Um, I don't have the choice to buy a $50 million mansion because I don't have the money. That's just not even a choice for me. Right. So I, I don't, I'm not truly free. My choices are constrained right. by God in a, in a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways. Right. But God is not constrained by anything because he's El Shaddai, God Almighty. Nothing's impossible for him. Nothing is unknown to him. And so he can do, he can and does do whatever he pleases and no one can question him. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, what else would you say, like if you had had more time, you know, and your sermon was pretty targeted, you know, you've, you had a particular task, but anything that you've worked on that you wish you had had more time to expound on or things that came up in study that you just had to set aside because of the nature of the text and things? Was there anything else that you wanted to share? Well, I could have gone a lot more into that yeah. piece of it. Um, so that's, that's one part of it, yeah. Um, and there were many more things I could say about adoption. In fact, when I gave an example of a new covenant version of the promises, I chose First Peter 1, 3 through 5, uh, three through five uh, which actually puts it in terms of you have been born again to a living hope. Yeah. So which is it? Are we adopted or are we born again? Are, are right. we born? Yeah. Are we born into this inheritance or are we adopted into it? And really the answer is both. Yep. They're dis just different word pictures for how we become part of the family of God. And it, adoption brings out some aspects of being part of the family that New birth doesn't, and new birth brings out some aspects of being part of the family of God that adoption doesn't. So they're both important. Both concepts are important. Yeah, yeah. So sure. I could have spent more time teasing that out too. Sure, sure. Well, it was a joy to hear. Glad to, yeah, glad to sit under the word as we've been marching through Genesis. Sad to, I won't get another chance to preach, uh, but uh, looking forward to hearing Genesis 49 and 50. And then in August, we're off to the races talking about Sanctification. We are. Yeah, a topic yep. that is uh, important for Christians at all times. Not, we haven't really done a topic like that in a while. Although I guess last fall we kind of did the church as we were getting ready for the season of autonomy, but uh, not particularly about Christian life, that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for that. Bruce, thanks again for preaching. Thank you. Thank you.